0: One thing we have learned is that, as they say, necessity is mother of invention. This is a great example of that because it's not that we didn't have remote people before. It's not that we didn't have technology to support something like this, but we have had this black swan moment with COVID, which required us to be not in the same physical location at all time, and that accelerated the adoption of digital technologies. You can build all the technology you want, but having it at the right time and right place matters the most. Welcome
1: to the Microsoft Research India podcast, where we explore cutting-edge research that's impacting technology and society. I'm your host, Sridhar Vedanta. The COVID pandemic forced most of us into a new paradigm of work from home, and a number of tools to cater to remote work became popular. However, the post-pandemic environment has seen interesting scenarios with some people preferring to continue to work from home, some people preferring to return full-time to work, and a number of people adopting something in between. This hybrid work environment exists today in the workplace as well as in other scenarios such as events. While tools such as Microsoft Teams do extremely well in supporting scheduled and agenda-driven work meetings. There is need for a tool that supports a mix of virtual and in-person gatherings in an informal or semi-structured work environment, such as in hallways or at water coolers. In this edition of the podcast, I speak to Venkat Padmanabhan, Deputy MD of MSR India and Ajay Manchapalli, Principal Research Program Manager, about a project called Highway. Highway is a system to support unstructured and semi-structured, hybrid and informal interactions between groups of in-person and remote participants so Venkat and uh, Ajay welcome to the podcast
2: yeah good to be here again yeah likewise
1: yeah both of you guys have been here before right
2: yeah it's my second time yep same here
1: great so anyway we wanted to talk today about uh, this project called highway which uh, unlike the way the name sounds is not related to one of your earlier projects which was called hams which actually had to do with road safety. So uh, tell us a bit about uh, what Highway is all about and especially where the name comes from.
2: Right, right. Yeah, so Highway, uh, we spell it as H-Y-W-A-Y. It's short for hybrid hallway. It's really about hybrid interaction. Uh, What we mean by that is interaction between people who are physically present in a location. Think of a conference venue or an office uh, floor and people who are remote, right? Uh, So... Uh, That's where uh, hybrid comes from. And it's really about sort of enabling informal mingling style, chit-chat kind of interaction in such settings, which uh, perhaps uh, other platforms don't quite support.
1: Okay. And uh, why come up with this project at all? I mean, there are plenty of uh, other uh, solutions and products and ways to talk to people that already are out there. So why do we really need something new?
2: Yeah, yeah. So maybe I can give you a little bit of... uh, background on this i think in the very early days of the pandemic i think in march or april of 2020 you know all of us were locked up in our respective homes uh, and obviously there were tools like you know teams at microsoft and you know equivalent ones like zoom and so on elsewhere that uh, allowed people to stay connected and participate in work meetings and so on but it was very clear very soon that what's missing is these informal interactions you know bumping into someone in the hallway and just chatting with them that kind of uh, interaction was pretty much non-existent because uh, you know, if you think of something like a Teams call or you know a Zoom call or uh, any any of those, it's a very sanitized environment, right? If let's say the three of us are on a Teams call, no one else in the world knows we are meeting, and no one else in the world can uh, overhear us or be you know have an opportunity to join us uh, unless they're explicitly invited. So um, so we said, okay, you know, we want to sort of make these meetings porous, uh, not have these hard boundaries, and that was the starting point, and then. As the months uh, went along, we realized that hey, the world is not going to be just remote all the while. You know, things are, uh, you know, people are going to come back uh, to the office and come back uh, to having face-to-face meetings. And so, uh, how do you sort of marry the convenience of remote with the, uh, uh, the the richer experience of being in person? And so that's where hybrid uh, comes in. And that's something that uh, in our experience, existing tools, including the new tools that came up in the pandemic, don't support You know, there are tools that do all virtual experiences, uh, but uh, there is nothing that we have seen that does hybrid the way we are trying to do in highway.
1: Right. So I wanted to go back to something you just said earlier. And uh, uh, basically when you, you use the term porous, right? And what does that actually mean? Because like you said, the paradigm in which we are used to generally conducting meetings is that it's a closed, sanitized environment. So what exactly do we mean by porosity? And if you're in a meeting environment, why do you even want porosity?
2: Sure. Okay. Maybe I can uh, give an initial answer and then maybe Ajay can add. Uh, I think we're not saying every meeting is going to be porous, just to be clear, right? So, uh, you know, when you have a closed door meeting and, you know, maybe you're talking about sensitive things, you don't want porosity, right? You want to sort of maintain the privacy and the uh, the uh, uh, sanctity of that environment. But when you are trying to enable mingling in a, uh, say, conference setting where you're just sort of bumping into people, joining a conversation, and while you're having the conversation, you overhear some other conversation or you see someone mm-hmm. else yeah. and you want to go there, uh, there uh, we think something like porosity and other elements of the design of highway, which we can uh, get to in a moment allow uh, for you know awareness right essentially allow you to be aware of what else is going on and give you that opportunity to potentially join other conversations so th- that's where we think you know porosity is really important it's not like it's uh, something that we are advocating for all meetings
0: one way to think about this is um, if you are in a physical space and you want to have a meeting with somebody on a specific topic yeah you pick a conference room and you get together and you it's a closed door conversation However, when you're at workplace or any location for that matter, you tend to have informal conversations, right? So uh, where you're just standing by the water cooler or you're standing in the hallway and you want to have discussions. Uh, And at that point in time, what you realize is that even though you're having conversations with people, there are people nearby that you can see and you can overhear their conversations. It's a very natural setting. However, if you're remote and you're missing out on those conversations, how do you bring them into play, right? And where it is not predefined uh, or a planned uh, conversation and you just kind of uh, happen to see someone or happen to hear someone and join in. And what we talk about is the natural uh, porous nature of air. And we are trying to simulate something similar in our system. Okay. So it's kind of trying to
1: mimic a actual real-life physical interaction interaction, kind of setting where you can kind of combine some degree of formality and informality.
0: Correct. And many of these uh, uh, platforms like Teams or Zoom and things like that, it is built on this uh, notion of uh, virtual presence. So you could be anywhere and you could join and have, have discussions. However, our concept is more aligned with how do I get to participate in a physical space? So, our whole philosophy is anchored on a physical location, right? If I want to be in the office by a water cooler where we have interesting conversations, how do I get into those conversations? So that physical anchoring is a very critical aspect of our work. Interesting.
1: Now, I'm assuming, given that you're looking at a quite a different paradigm from uh, what existed earlier, you know, your teams, for example, um, how do you go about figuring out what you want to do? What are the kind of design uh, principles involved? How do you actually figure out what people really want to participate in?
2: Yeah, so I think that's a great question. Uh, I would say there's no, not necessarily one right answer. But, uh, you know, the way uh, we thought about this, I think Ajay touched on this, uh, you know, highway is anchored in a physical space. So, you know, at one level, we are just trying to recreate as best as possible that experience uh, in a setting where people, some people are remote, right? so what what does that mean? Just sort of imagine a physical hallway setting, right? Uh, you know think of a conference, coffee break time, bunch of people out in the hallway in little groups chatting and you know, moving around. Uh, people are very comfortable in that setting because uh, they have a very sort of f- surprise free experience. What I mean by that is you know I could be chatting with you. And uh, with the corner of my eye, I can see someone else approaching. I can see Ajay approaching. So I'm not surprised by his uh, appearance. And so if I'm talking something sensitive with respect to him, I have the opportunity to change subjects by the time he comes, right? So uh, so we decided that, okay, you know, that's really the core of what makes uh, informal mingling work in the physical world. And then we sort of, sort of thought about how we can recreate that in a hybrid setting. And so awareness is a key principle, right? So uh, enabling the participants, both the people who are physically present in the location as well as the people coming in remotely. And I should—I guess we have not really talked about how the th- setup is. The setup is very simple. We just have large screens uh, with speaker, microphone, camera that are uh, you know, uh, installed you know, multiple of them maybe in, in, in the location of interest. And so the remote people are on these screens, right? So whether you're remotely present on a screen or physically there, you have awareness of who else is around, who's approaching. You can overhear bits of other conversations. I mean, not that you can eavesdrop on people, but you know, you can, just like in the physical world, you can overhear some conversation. You may not know exactly what's being said, but you know that there's either there, he's talking to someone, let me go and join him, right? The second principle is uh, this principle of reciprocity. So, uh, you know, again, with video conferencing tools, uh, often uh, in a business context or in in a classroom lecture, it's perfectly fine to keep your video off and audio off, right? And just be listening because there's a dominant speaker who's sort of running the show often, right? Uh, but if you're enabling chit-chat and informal mingling, we believe that doesn't fly, right? And if I'm trying to chit-chat with someone and I can't even see them and I can't hear them, that's not going to go very far, right? So we insist on this idea that of uh, sort of uh, see and be seen and listen and be heard, right? So, you know, there's sort of a two-way street. The third is there's no sort of agency, right? So it's great to have awareness, but then you need to be able to do something with that awareness, right? And the, what do you do in a physical world? You see someone interesting or you overhear something interesting, you go there, if you want to, and then if you lose interest, you come back, right? So the ability to move between conversations in a very fluid and natural way. And we do that with a map interface uh, in our system. Uh, And we can talk a bit more about the map and how uh, uh, it is a little different from what uh, other systems have done with the map uh, in a a bit. But maybe, Ajay, if you want to add anything to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, the design principle is uh, trying to ensure the remote person has the same sort of an experience had they been in person. And some of the uh, aspects that Venkat just talked about, which is awareness and the aspect of reciprocity and the ability to change or move to different conversations, is very natural in a physical setting. And we are trying to mimic what you enjoy in a physical setup, uh, even for someone who is remotely trying to participate in that conversation. And so it's inspired by that. All right. So Venka just referred
1: to this thing about a map, right? So uh, how is it different from what already exists out there? I mean, what what really, uh, how do I put this? I mean, how does the map contribute to the experience of a user?
2: So I think uh, the key point is that the map that we have at Highway is a representation of the actual physical space where the uh, in-person users are, right? the physical users are. This is in contrast to, you know, there's a lot of spatial conversation tools that came up especially during the pandemic that also have a map-based interface, but the map there is completely synthetic, right? So by anchoring the map to the physical space, we can enable very interesting mingling scenarios across the physical and virtual divide. What I mean by that is, uh, you know, I could be in a conversation, uh, I could be physically present, and I could then walk over to a different location. A virtual user can see where I went, and they can follow along, like just like they would be able to do if they were physically there, right? And the reverse can happen too. Uh, you know, As a physical user, I can see, hey, this is a remote person I was talking to. Now they're moved to a different location. Well, on the map, I'll know where they've gone, and I can sort of follow along. So that correspondence between the physical, the, the, the virtual view and the physical reality is key. Right? That's what enables this kind of mingling across the physical and virtual divide.
0: I think uh, uh, to follow up on that, The the fact that we anchor to a physical space, I mean, the whole premise is that we, a remote person wants to participate in a particular location of interest, implies there has to be some context, right? And so if I want to go and participate in conversations happening in my office, and specifically, let's say there is a a book club that happens in a particular location, I I can sort of... uh, Contextualize myself. I mean, I have that spatial awareness to that space, right? So, if you give me a map-based experience, I can naturally navigate to the space that I am interested in going to. So that that sort of one-on-one-to-one mapping between the physical space uh, and the map helps us uh, stay oriented.
2: I'll add one more thing. This is, I, I just got reminded as Ajay was talking. You know, uh, the uh, this idea of creating a map that is anchored to the physical reality and tries to sort of, it uh, that actually has worked out quite well. So we have received feedback from users, but I think there was a user who's actually a, a visitor to our lab. Uh, he's a professor at the University of Oregon, or I think Oregon State University, who had visited on highway remotely in 2022. And then when he came a year later in 2023 in person, his first remark was, hey, this place looks so familiar. I've already been here. Mm. Right, though it okay. was his first time, right? So, The fact that he was able to navigate around our space using this map that corresponded pretty well to the physical reality gave him familiarity in a way that a synthetic map will simply not give you, right? So I think that's really the point.
1: Yeah. It sounds like when you want to recreate the kind of a physical experience for someone who's there virtually, and you're saying that you'll have multiple spaces where people might congregate or have informal meetings or even formal meetings and so on. I think it, it logically follows that you're going to have multiple setups or instances of uh, this particular uh, of, of highway in various places, right? Now, two questions that flow from that. One is, what is the kind of infrastructure that's required to enable a highway kind of scenario and I think equally, importantly, equally important is uh, how much does it actually cost? I mean, what kind of infrastructure is required for this?
0: That is uh, an extremely important question to think through before we deploy. And the way we thought about this is that the world already has a lot of digital uh, equipment, right? If you think in the context of an office, you have conference rooms which are set up with AV, and you have various, like if you think of cafeterias, you have screens and uh, and things of that nature. And so we wanted to use off-the-shelf equipment uh, to flight highway, right? And so that means all we need is a screen so that people who are physically present can, can see the remote person participating. And we want... Uh, an AV device, the camera and the microphone and the speakers so that the remote person can hear people as well as the in-person folks can hear the remote person. So it's a very standard AV setup that you can think of which is powered by a basic PC. This is the typical setup. The, The important thing here to note is that you need to place it in places where it It doesn't create blind spots. And uh, it's a natural area for mingling, right? Um, Those are the things that we have to think through when we set up such equipment. And as we iterate through this, we are uh, learning uh, different ways to set things up and make it uh, surprise-free and make it more comfortable for people to not feel like they are being... Uh, you know, uh, watched over or something of that nature.
1: It's it's interesting you bring that up because my next question is going to be about privacy and uh, letting people know that this thing is on and, you know, there might be someone
0: virtually hanging out there. But how are people actually made aware of this? Right. I mean, there are, there are different ways we can approach it. One, when we set up the space, we provide sufficient... Uh, visual cues to let people know that this is an area where your colleagues can participate remotely, right? So in other words, they have a reason to be there because they know that it's their own colleagues who are gonna be participating. Number two, we also made a very conscious decision that these experiences have to be ephemeral, right? We do not record, we do not store this information. And if you are in that moment, you get to hear and see people. If you weren't, you have missed it, just as it would have happened if you were in a physical location. In real life. In real life, right? So these two are very important components. Now, having said that, you still have cameras out there and you still have a microphone out there. And and the fact that we have now made it advertised, so to speak, makes them even more nervous, right? Even though people are, living in a world with cameras everywhere uh, from a security standpoint. So one of the things that we are continuing to work on is this notion of when do we have these systems up and running, right? We don't just have it up and running all the time. Hmm. You really need that system up and running only if there is a remote person joining in. And so what we try to do is Allow the physical users to have their natural conversations without a video feed of themselves on the screen. But at the same time, provide visual cues to the remote user saying that there are users present in that location so that that motivates them to get to that point. And once they are in that location, we start the conversation or start the call which enables the remote person to join in. But we also provide oral cues, right? We'll give an audio chime that gives an awareness to the people locally present, saying that, ah, there's a remote person right. joining in. This is a new experience. Um, there will be uh, reservations, and there will be concerns, and I think just as how we transition from uh, you know having off- independent offices to an open desk environment, right. this is sort of another form of change that we are going through, and so we have to be careful how we parse the feedback that we get and keep that in uh, in perspective.
2: I'll also add just a few things to this, right? You know, there are technical design elements in Highway that try to address this. As I touched on, no recording, for example. We also, for example, don't do any uh, user recognition, right? So in our map, we represent users with face bubbles but that's just detecting a face. We don't know who it is. We don't try to find out who it is, right? We just detect a face, we put it on the map at the appropriate location, right? So uh, as, as when you glance at the map, you can see a face bubble of someone there. If you happen to know who that is, you'll recognize them. Otherwise, you'll just see there's a person there, right? Uh, the uh, other aspect is reciprocity, which I t- 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 uh, t- touched on earlier. Uh, so that also, uh, I think, uh, helps with privacy in the, in, in the following sense. Yep. Highway will not... Allow someone to hide themselves and be eavesdropping on a conversation because they will not be able to hear anything unless they are seen and heard. So the fact that they are on the screen in a big video tile will make the people who are physically present aware that, hey, there is so-and-so on the screen. And so you know, from a privacy viewpoint, it makes them more comfortable. The other thing I would say is the deployment context, right? So Ajay sort of talked about, I think, a workspace setting where you know you have colleagues who know each other and so on. We've also deployed in events which are confined in space and time where people go to a trade show or a you know conference with the expectation that there'll be other people around and they will see them and they will hear them and so on. And, you know, things like privacy haven't really been, uh, uh, you know, front and center in those conversations because people are really about, it's really about...
1: They're already in a public space anyway. They're in a public
2: space. They, there's no expectation that uh, they, they are going to be, uh, you know, shielded from the view of others, right? And so... I think the context matters. I think in in, in a setting where this is running twenty four seven, and you know, an interaction can happen at any time. Yes, you have to you know worry about some of the things that uh, you know Ajay talked about. But uh, in other settings, it's uh, a little easier. That's mm-hmm. an
0: extremely important point. Uh, it really depends upon the purpose that people are there for. Right? In an event, you're going there to learn about something or to meet certain people, and you know in that context that there are many people that you're not aware of, and it's okay. And, yeah, so the context is super important.
1: Okay, so uh, what kind of events have you deployed and what's been the user reaction? Has it been all positive or mixed reactions? How's it
0: been? Yeah, we have uh, one of the the ethos that we have followed is we didn't want to build a system and then think of where do we deploy. We have actually uh, sort of taken an an opposite approach. That is, we have picked a particular event and we have decided that event needs, when we realize that there is a need for remote participation, then we go deploy the system based on the requirements that have been called out. And we built our system based on that. So we have we have been deploying in events where people want to share information about the work that they have done. And, you know, things like... Um, let's say uh, your colleagues have, uh, all the researchers, they are working on various topics and we wanna let people be aware of what the work is. In that context, we have set up things like poster sessions where it is very natural for us to have booths and have topical presentations that's happening. In this context, we initially we decided that, okay, it makes sense to have uh, the ability for a remote person to join in and participate in such events. But through the events, we realized that once we we set up such a system, there are remote presenters who would like to also participate. And so then we basically modified the system to support not just remote attendees, but to also enable remote presentations where in-person attendees would actually interact with a remote presenter over the screen. Mm So these are the things that we have learned through the events. And the surprising results from this is once we deployed in such events, people experienced it, and based on the experience, we had the pull of having more events. We didn't have to go and advertise, so to speak. The very experience made people realize the value that we were bringing to the table. In terms of user feedback, it has been overwhelmingly positive. But at the same time, it's a research prototype. So most of the sort of feedback we have been receiving is more about the system, the audio quality, and things like that, which is a systemic improvements that we can do over time. And we also have received feedback, which is more in the context of, oh, I'm able to do this, can you also add this? Right? You know, it's it's additional capabilities that they would like to see. And especially in the context of events, we haven't really seen any hesitations in terms of the privacy aspect, so to speak. Apart from such events, we have also tried to put it in informal mingling type of uh, events where, okay, there is uh, end-of-year party and people are getting together and just uh, talking about all the uh, great moments they've had through the year. And people who are remote were able to also participate and uh, mingle with people, and so those are the other type of uh, setups where we have deployed these things. All in all, I, I would say we have had uh, deployments every couple of months, and each deployment we learn something new and we we improve upon the system. Initially, we used to just have uh, their name initials showing up on the map. Then there was feedback that you know visual cues of who the person is there would be useful because they can recognize that person rather right. than having their initials and things so like that. that's right? where the face bubble came face in? Face bubble came in.
2: Right. Yeah. I'll also add one other use case. I mean, uh, I think uh, so far we have one user for it, but a pretty important user, which is what I would call as remote visits, right? So think of uh, a busy exec mm-hmm. who has a global organization um, and, you know, they don't have the time to fly all the way uh, to the other location to visit. Uh, you know, obviously you can do a remote visit on uh, tools like Teams and Zoom and so on. But uh, uh, when uh, our CEO, uh, Satya Nadala came in, uh, uh, in January of this year, uh, he uh, was remote and he wanted to uh, visit our lab. We decided to do it on highway, right? And that worked very well, right? Essentially, he got on highway and walked around the floor of the uh, lab yeah. and, you know, met with various people. And, you know, that gave him a sense of the, Place in a way that just presentations on a call right. would not have given right, and that was uh, his reaction was very positive, and uh, that also gave some uh, sort of uh, uh, momentum to uh, you know uh, our efforts in sort of finding uh, more use cases for this.
0: Yeah, got people excited. The there is one other scenario that we have been exploring in the recent past, and that is in the context of. Uh, workspace, you know, uh, that is, uh, you know, you have an open um, office sort of a structure where you have a large table uh, where you have six to eight employees uh, or colleagues sitting together and working, right? In this sort of a setting, if uh, with the flexible come into work sort of arrangement that we see these days, you invariably end up seeing only maybe 50 to 70% of the people showing up in person, and the rest of them working remotely on any given day. And so in order to ensure, at the end of the day, we are all about increasing productivity for our for each person right on this planet. So from that context, uh, if we are able to enable the remote employees who are sitting in their, at, at their home by themselves to sort of feel part of the team how do we bring them in into the context of their workspace, right? So here it's not informal mingling, but it is more of um, being present along with your colleagues for a long duration of time where you have serendipitous moments of discussions that happens which you would have missed if you were uh, staying remote. Right. And that is another scenario that is... Uh, turning out to be an important scenario for us to look at because there is that need that exists and um, that requires a, a different way to enable the the sort of interactions that we expect within the context of a team. Mm. Okay.
2: It's really unscheduled interactions. Right. sort of can happen anytime. Yeah. With colleagues.
0: Much like we keep doing in office actually. Yes, Exactly. Yes.
1: Right. Okay. So uh, where do you see this going in the future I mean do you have a roadmap in mind do you really have a say a longer term plan? Uh,
2: I think uh, we uh, you know we are very much in the phase where we are you know augmenting the system as we go along right so as Ajay said you know we've been uh, in this habit of deploying and learning through deployment so you know we've done a bunch of deployments we've got feedback we've had ideas and so at this stage we are just looking to uh, you know make the system better and you know we've deployed a bunch of internal events. Uh, one day we might actually take it to external events, external conferences, academic conferences, and so on, and hopefully have a larger audience uh, experience this. And then we'll see where it takes us. Right? Uh, you know, uh, The feedback, as I said, has been very positive. And what's been particularly satisfying is uh, that it is very clear from the feedback, both from users, but also from the event organizers, that there's an unmet need here. Right? There is something that people want to do, but existing tools are not doing, which is why they're coming to us. And as you said, we are a small team. We have not advertised ourselves, but people are coming and asking for it, right? So, internally at Microsoft, so far, so that tells us that there's an unmet need here. So we think, if we do the right things and make the system even better than it is, uh, you know, good things will happen.
0: And the and the fact that we are able to deploy and there is more ask for it, in spite of the fact that you have microphones and cameras everywhere, tells us that the value that we are bringing outweighs the risks that people perceive, right? And so, and that's uh, a very strong case for the unmet need that Venkat was referring to. People want to meet people.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well said.
1: All right. So we are kind of coming to the end of this. Is there any last thoughts you'd want to leave the listeners with? Um,
2: Maybe I'll just go back to the earlier point. This is like more of a specific point. I think when we were discussing hardware requirements and, you know, deployment uh, models and so on. One of the things we decided early on is to, of course, to keep things simple, low cost, you know, commodity hardware and so on. But you know, related to that is this idea that we don't want to impose on the people who are physically present uh, in any way, right? So they just show up and talk and you know, mingle, just the way they have done. The only difference is there is an additional screen maybe in their vicinity that allows remote people to join. And you know, the unexpected benefit of that really has been that uh, you know. Uh, our system allows bootstrapping for free, so the physical people both with their feet. They are there yeah. regardless of highway. They would have been there anyway in the hallway ch- chatting with each other. But because highway is really about instrumenting the environment with these screens and not mm-hmm. really imposing on the users, they are automatically, uh, you know, represented in the system. And so now there's a strong incentive for me as a remote user to get on highway. To and it's not even an app. You just go to go to the web page. You get on highway. Because there are other people to interact with. This is in contrast to an approach where you need everyone to do something, like install an app or get some hardware or you know have a wearable computer or whatever, to participate. Because then you have the network effect sort of biting you the wrong way, which is you know you start with a user base of zero and then you have to really get to a critical mass. We are getting critical mass for free, and, and uh, we didn't necessarily think of it that way on day one, but that realization has come as we have deployed and sort of learnt from that.
0: Okay. From highway, one thing we have learned is that, you know, uh, as they say, necessity is mother of invention. This is a a great example of that because it's not that we didn't have remote people before. And it's not that we didn't have technology to support something like this. But we have had this black swan moment with uh, COVID, which required us to be Uh, not in the same physical location at all time. And that accelerated the adoption of digital technologies. That also accelerated the possibility of something like this. And it gave us that flexibility. And that led to something that it almost became a no-brainer to have such a system. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has been a key uh, aspect is that you can build all the technology you want but having it at the right time and right place matters the most
1: yeah and you know after seeing deployments of uh, highway in the lab and stuff right i think one thing that kind of came home to me was the fact that you don't have to invest in some extremely expensive infrastructure and fancy vr headsets you don't need you know augmented reality virtual reality and all that to actually create a kind of a hybrid workspace
2: Yeah, there's a spectrum here and, you know, we are at the point where we are focusing on low cost so that we can scale. Obviously, you can do other things with more fancy hardware, but they may be harder to scale. And, you know, it's kind of uh, the philosophy of a lot of our work. If you remember the previous project we talked about, the HAMS project, again, just a smartphone rather than instrumenting the vehicle, just put a smartphone and sort of it observes how you're driving and gives you uh, safety uh, feedback, right? So uh, it's uh, an approach that we think works well in many cases.
0: And when you build something that you want to use every day, it's super exciting to be in such a project. So, I think we have a bunch of motivated individuals to make this successful. Yeah, so I
2: should say, yeah, you know, I think before we close, you know, uh, I do want to give a huge shout out to a lot of people, but in particular to the team, the highway team. Right from day one, they've really been the backbone of the project. Uh, a bunch of young people, uh, you know, uh, researchers, research fellows, uh, RSDs—that is, research software development engineers—all pulled together to do this and. It's a, it's a small team. I mean, it's a pretty small team that's done amazing things. So I really want to call them out.
1: Great. Uh, thank you for yet another fascinating conversation, Venkata Rajay.
2: Thanks, Sridhar. It was a real pleasure again. Yeah, pleasure's all ours. Thank you.